are back. We are back. Welcome, everyone, to Match Point number nine of Tennis Bets Podcast. I'm one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter and all the socials these days. If this is your first time listening, chances are it's how you found us. Welcome in. Hello. If you're a returning listener, a returning champion, which I hope some of you are back after last episode, welcome back. We are down, Derek, once again, but still going from California to Canada to welcome in Mr. John Reed. You can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand. At Tibbets Tennis, he writes for the Action Network. Betting expert, Hammer HQ. He does tennis form recaps. John, welcome in. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Ready to go. Should be a, should be a good lineup for the, the quarters and semis. Absolutely. John, well, we always kick it off with our accountability segment, and we do need to be held accountable for what could be the worst episode in, in the short history of this podcast started in march 2021 i have not had an episode like this well let's start with the wins uh did talk about having davidovich fokina alejandro davidovich fokina in pocket money line at plus 225 and look to hedge that in play because he will get up and choke it and he provided the most epic choke of all time in the fifth set tie break i think it was up five eight five he was up eight five yeah and the breaker chokes it that conversation should have led us to the over had a nice clean win but what are you going to do? Losses. Ooh, this is this is where we're going to hit the piper a little bit. Chris O'Connell, Moneyline, plus 160. I played it at plus 180, John. So it, it climbed up. And you know what? I, I still think well, this was a worthy bet at plus 180. You had the three tie breaks. You had very few break points in that match. You're almost two to one on the money line uh, with one side. Even if it was a straight set loss, kind of a coin flip match still, in my opinion. What do you think, John? Yeah, I would play it again. Um, at plus 180 against Chris Eubanks. I have no problem with that. I think Eubanks is the better player. I still don't think it was more than like a 60-40 proposition though. And it didn't. It, like Eubanks' backhand was too much, which is crazy how much his backhand has improved. And it's it was nice to see him beat Steph as well after that because it was kind of the battle of one-handed backhands and, and serve bot poor returners. <laughs> and it was perfect that the better one emerged victorious. Even though, again, since he passed probably was better well he was better for the first three sets like by like leaps and bounds but like chris eubanks backhand has improved a lot and i think that really hurt chris o'connell especially on second serves he was just hitting clean winners right on the return of serve from that backhand wing down the line when when a one-hander like chris eubanks has time has the time necessary to set up a big attacking backhand down the line which is of course you know where you need the most time that you have the least margin for error you're in trouble. Like you cannot give someone like him that much time, and that's what what cost him. But he got it to three tie breaks. He was certainly, um, I thought, the better player in one of the sets. I think it was the second, and couldn't, couldn't come with the victory. But I'll play it again at plus one eighty if I get the chance on grass. Can't say I disagree when there's only. I mean, the second set there was zero break points on either side. They they broke each other in set one. Tight match. Still like the price. All right, Francis Tiafo money line minus one twenty. Got a dud Tiafo performance. <laughs> Versus a redlining Grigor Dimitrov. Just chose the wrong side on that one, I feel. <laughs> I mean, that ticket was pretty much dead off the hop, as you like to say, John. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to learn something from that one. I guess this was one where I I, I should have heated the movement a little bit, as Grigor maybe was a little bit undervalued, and, and it did move so much. But I, I am a contrarian money line backer a lot of times. I, I like the reverse line movement, so it's tough for me to to really buy into that. I just think just flat out back the wrong side. Alexander Zverev, money line minus 130 versus Matteo Berrettini. That's another L. Now, this one, I feel like I just, I got sports betted a little bit because he lost three points on serve in set two and he lost a set. 
Huh. I mean, that's that was tough. nuts. That's tough. I even said like there was a point in the in the third set, down two sets. If I knew I was going to get Zverev landing eighty percent of his first serves, winning eighty five percent of his first serve points, and sixty three percent of his second serve points, I probably would have bet more on this match. Yeah, straight set loss for Big Z there. Obviously, the the mental component you can say that played a part. Just kind of a, a guy that routinely finds a way to lose, uh, and he did so there, even though the numbers were. He should have at least taken one set, my guy. That was really bad. I, I don't I don't know what's going on with Zverev, but like I said a few times now, despite the fact that he's still getting wins out there on a regular on a, on a fairly consistent basis, he still doesn't look very good. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something missing um in Zverev, in Zverev's game for me in terms of consistency or in terms of real dominance. It's just a lot of winning ugly. And that's to me is just not sustainable. And more importantly, it's not something that you can win at the top ends of the game with, right? You're not going to beat the Berrettinis on grass. You're never going to beat the Alcarazes or Djokovic's winning ugly. You're going to have to play well. Need to take the L on Alex Bublik money line versus Andre Rublev at plus 110. Looked bad early, fell down two sets. But at 3-2 in set five, Rublev actually became a slight dog at plus 105. So there was a hedge uh, opportunity or, or a chance to bail uh, with Bublik. So we, we, we did get a dog into the fifth set and... Quite honestly, another one where I feel like sports betting, uh, the joys of sports betting came into play as Rublev just made some incredible shots uh, and and Bublik double faulted at the, the complete worst time. I mean, it's easy to say don't bet on Bublik, blah, 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 but he was playing. I, I, I thought in the, in the back half of that match, he was playing great and he was in it to win it, certainly. And quite frankly, he's been on a roll. He won eight matches in a row going into that match. Rublev, not exactly uh, the picture of stability or not known as a non-choker himself. So Nico Jari set one money line versus Zakarez lost that one. Of course he wins the second set. That kind of, that kind of episode for us, John, which is annoying because had a great day the next day. End of, end of round three, worst slate in pod history. We don't record for the, the beginning of round four. Have a great day. Eubanks money line <laughs> versus Sitsipas hammered Alcaraz minus two and a half versus Berrettini. Minus 140. Runa, Moneyline, plus 150 versus Dimitrov. Got those. And you could have found those picks with me in a Discord that I have joined with some other guys. The Tennis is Life Discord. If you're interested in joining, hit me up in the DMs. And I will pass along the invite. All right, John. We're going to hop into the two remaining quarterfinals right after I talk about Spotify for podcasters. Okay, John. We've got a blockbuster Quarterfinal matchup here at Wimbledon. The storied history of this tournament gets another hopefully great chapter with Holger Runa taking on Carlos Alcaraz. Alcaraz is a minus 400 favorite. Runa is plus 300 as the dog. The spread is five and a half. The total is at 36 and a half. Now you can get that ticked up a little bit more on Bet Online. You can get plus 305 and you can get. 37 and a half as a total there. So do your line shopping. These guys have met twice in the past. One-on-one head-to-head. Runa won in his magical Paris run with Carlitos retiring in the second set tiebreak down a set in that match. Runa lost to Alcaraz at the 2021 next-gen finals. Not a ton of stuff to bring from those two head-to-heads, but worth noting. Alcaraz's path here, he beat Shardy, Muller, Jari, Berrettini. He dropped two sets so far. Runa beat Lofagan, Carvajas-Benya, 
Davidovich Wakina, Dimitrov. He's dropped three sets so far. What's your first blush take on this match, John? A very boring one, to be honest. Not going to be a boring match, but a boring take for me. I think this is priced up just about perfectly. I think that Alcaraz has proven... uh, Both guys needed to prove something on grass this season, I feel. And while Runa's been pretty impressive, like that's a good win against Dimitra, a really good win. And I thought the win over Davidovich Fakina was pretty impressive considering the way Alejandro was playing until, you know, the underarm serve at 8-all or even 8-5, choking it away. I think he had to play really well to overcome that. And I think they've both done their job when it comes to proving themselves on grass or at least proving they're capable and there's still some room to improve. That's fine. But they're they're going to be contenders on grass courts starting next year. I mean, Alcaraz is a comp- obviously a contender starting this year. And that's kind of the difference for me is I think Alcaraz has proven more. He's been more dominant for my money than Runa has to this stage. He's just, I mean, he's the best player in the world, not named Novak Djokovic. And even then, I mean, he, you could make a case he's 1A, right? Right behind Novak. And I mean, he's the number one player by rankings in the world. I just still think Novak's a better player. Uh, and, you know, obviously two grand slams on, on the year with a third potentially incoming would also prove that. And and that's what this line shows. He's about to break a set better. I have no problem with that. I'd probably make it five juiced. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to take issue with five and a half. I don't think it's enough for me to take Runa uh on the spread and i'm just gonna be able to sit back and enjoy this one as as a tennis fan i'm really pumped for it some numbers to talk about here to help maybe provide a pathway uh, of how this might go second serve is something i always like to look at in these tight matchups Holgaruna so far uh has been the lesser server on uh, on a second serve uh versus uh, rcb 44 percent second serve points one he won 20 of 45 Against Davidovich Rokina, 48% to 29 for 60. He saved 8 of 11 breakpoints against RCB. Saved 12 of 16 breakpoints against ADF. So he he was battling to, to hold serve in, in those matches. Akraz hasn't been below 52% second serve points won so far, which was his lowest against Jari. Both players, though, have won over 75% of their first serve points so far in all of their matches. So when they are landing their first serves, they've been pretty dominant. But... I do feel like Alcaraz is going to generate break points heavy and often uh, in this matchup. And it's kind of funny, too, because it's uh, this be the third Spaniard in a row, or, or, or his third Spaniard so far in this tournament that he's playing. And I agree with you, John. Both of these players, I think, have, have proven a lot this grass season. Obviously, Alcaraz uh, won a 500 title on grass. Uh, but Runa, I think, uh, has shown a lot himself. I think this has been a a very admirable run, man. He, I mean, for a guy who just won his first grass match <laughs> like three weeks ago, finds himself here in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. It sounds like you're you're passing on any sort of bet of this match. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing for me to to take here. So, uh, at least from the side and total perspective, I might dig through like the the derivatives, but I, I'm not likely taking any tie breaks. Um, I think the breaks have served or priced properly. So honestly, I think I think this match is pretty well priced from from top to bottom. So a nice easy pass for me. I, I want to find a way to attack Alcaraz here. The laying sets minus one and a half sets on Bet Online is minus one seventy five. The problem is every every angle with Alcaraz is so juiced, and rightfully so. I think I'm going to take more minus one and a half sets at minus one seventy five. I don't think this goes five. I think that should be 
minus 200. So I, I think there's a little bit of value uh, on that one. That is my play. All right, John, let's move to Daniil Medvedev versus Chris Eubanks. Medvedev is minus 550 on the money line. Eubanks is plus 400. As the dog, the spread is five. The total is 39. Eubanks went up and down. I think he got up as high as like plus 450 on FanDuel and other sides. He's come down a bit since then. Uh, Chris Eubanks' money line bets are are changing lives. He's been on fire. A $100 rollover bet. Chris Eubanks' money line, starting with his opening Mallorca, ma- Mallorca match against Alex Michelson, would now be worth $43,176 after beating Steph Sitsipas last time. That's courtesy of Avery Zimmerman, who was our guest in the preview pod for this tournament. That's an insane run. He's beaten Montero, Cam Nori, O'Connell. And Sitsipas, he dropped four sets here at this tournament. Medvedev has beaten Ferry, Manorino, Fucevic, and Yuri Laheshka. He's dropped one set. John, what's your first blush take on this one? Looking looking at a Medvedev minus five here, I don't think Chris Eubanks... I mean, he, he, he was decent coming to net, I guess, against O'Connell. I thought he was okay there. I'm not as... Uh, convinced against a better passer. I think Yuri Lehechka, we we saw in previous matches, tried to come forward a bit, and whenever he's played a good passer, has struggled because it's not a natural thing for him. I think Eubanks, of course, has a bigger wingspan, but I still think Medvedev is just a little too strong. Um, I think, you know, a lot of guys probably, though, would think that about playing Chris Eubanks, that they're too strong. And then, you know, I'm sure Cam Norrie thought he'd probably be good enough to get through that match and it didn't work out. So I'm not going to be any, on anything heavy here. I don't think this, this should be like a minus six and a half or, 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 a, you know, seven. So I don't think there's a huge amount of value to be had in, in, in betting a five, but I'd certainly rather lay the five games with him and then take them with, with Chris, just because again, that could be as little as two breaks of serve, right? If there's any, if it's a straight sets match. And I do think Medvedev gets this done in relatively straightforward fashion. He's had a very nice path, to be honest, outside of Fuchsvix, who can, who is tough when he's on on grass. And he was on for at least the first set of that match uh, before Medvedev made, made some incredible adjustments, I thought. Um, it hasn't been the toughest path for Medvedev. And I don't think this is the toughest match either. I mean, we, I talked about Eubanks having all the time in the world to hit his backhand against O'Connell, he's just not going to get that against Medvedev's serve, right? It's a completely different animal. And I just, I, I cannot see him finding as much success on return. I don't know how he broke Pass so often in the final two sets, but in the first three sets, I don't think, I don't think he had a break of serve. He might have one. But, you know, against a good server like Pass, he was in trouble. He was in trouble um, in that matchup before he, he started finally finding, again, some breaks and some, some, some break point opportunities, which... Seemed a little odd considering how the the first part of that match went on City Pass to serve. I think you're going to see a lot closer to the first bit of that match for Medvedev. And again, this is these are two guys who, much like Alcaraz and Runa, have not really proven themselves on grass. I mean, I know Daniil has a final in Halle, and I know he has a title in Mallorca, but it's still not his most natural or most preferred surface. And again, he's done a better job than someone like City Pass has this year at convincing me that he is going to be consistently uh, more competitive or or more of a contender on the grass. And that's the difference. Now, 
I think where, where was Sitsipas lined uh, against Eubanks? I think it was not exactly the same, but in similar territory. Was it four and a half? I to me again, Medvedev is a bigger favorite over Eubanks than Sitsipas was. Uh, a, like a, a much better matchup for for Medvedev than it was for Sitsipas. So because he's a bit just a better returner. So I think again, when those two numbers are similar, uh, it, it's it's a little bit of a a good sign for me to bet Medvedev because I think Medvedev is a lot better in this matchup than, than Steph was. Uh, so numbers I can talk about real quick, John, you mentioned coming to the net uh, for Eubanks. Uh, Eubanks is, uh, came to the net 72 times versus Sitsi uh, Paz. He won 46 to 72 for 64%. Came to the net 41 times versus O'Connell. He won 71%, 39 times. Versus Nori. Nori only came to the net 12 times in that match. Bro, changed up. 42 times versus Montero. Uh, so I, I think your, your point is valid, uh, though. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to be afraid to come to the net, but is he going to get those passing shots uh, that, that he needs uh, versus someone of Medvedev's stature? Uh, Medvedev. Medvedev will get the Medvedev is going to look to get the passing shots against him, right? Okay, uh, when so, he's at the yeah. net, and I and I think that's that's he's a better. I mean that that number against Sitsi Pass is kind of again indicative. Sixty four percent is not the greatest conversion rate at net, especially when you're playing a guy like Sitsi Pass who generally needs more time than grass courts afford. So if he's still passing you or or still beating you uh, on thirty six percent of the points here at net, that's that doesn't bode well. I don't think for someone um, you know like Medvedev. Unless he's going to be bury himself six feet behind the court or six feet behind the baseline, in which case, um, you know, you will have more success because he's just he's going to be too far back. Vucevic did come to the net sixty three times versus Medvedev, uh, but it it didn't matter. He lost in four. Now there is a slight opening here uh, for Eubanks. Medvedev is uh, Medvedev only won forty four percent of his second serve points versus Laheshka. But he went 28 of 29 on first serve. So that first serve really being a weapon here for Medvedev all tournament because uh, check this out. He only won 40% of his second serve points versus Fucevic, 50% versus Manorino. And then his round one opponent in the in Ferry, uh, not the uh, toughest opponent in the world, he only won 48% as well. So if Eubanks can take, an, can take advantage of a, a, a few bad second serves, He's a much better server than these four opponents Medvedev has played so far. So if he does find a break late in the set uh, and can serve it out, uh, so that that is a, a pathway for you for Eubanks to get a set here, I think. And of course, the tie breaks. Uh, the guy's on an insane run. Uh, the tie break as well. Sun running. He's sun running. <laughs> He's running as pure as the sun. I think. I faded him pretty hard in the first time around in this matchup. <laughs> I went with under 20 and a half uh, in their, their lone matchup uh, back on March 30th in Miami. Yeah, the under 20 and a half. And then Medvedev had the break uh, to catch that and then like foot faulted <laughs> a series of uh, comical events uh, was broke. Uh, Eubanks found the, uh, the break back. God, still lamenting that one. I mean, he broke Chris twice in that opening set in Miami as well. He's just been so and, hot, man, though. It, like, And you, Eubanks' serve was not untouchable against Sitsipas. 
Like that was really concerning. Didn't he get broken twice in that first set against City Pass too? Yes. So as as hot as the serve has been, we we have seen uh, just last match he, he was broken twice in the opening set. Well, yeah, in a set. Yeah. The under thirty nine and a half is pretty tempting for me. <laughs> that would be. T- I want to bet Chris though, man. It's such a good story. And like I'm not like a huge Medvedev fan. I am a fan of winning money. So it's real a lot of things happening here for me, John. <laughs> it's a great story too. Like or sorry, not you you said the great story. What I meant was to add on. <laughs> He's a great guy too. Everyone that that you know is in the tennis community that you hear from does say like off court. He's just an incredible guy. And you can see it. Like he's always smiling. He's always in a good mood. Like in Miami, you saw the tears of joy. I think uh, when he went on that, that crazy run, he's just, he's a, you can tell he's just a really nice person. You want to root for, but in the betting streets, money does come first. So as much as I like to see Medvedev lose because I hate his style, as much as I want to see Chris win, I, I do think the minus five is in play here. The under three and a half sets is even money. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I want to, I think I might just like pocket Eubanks small and root for Eubanks, man. <laughs> I go. mean, his, his, he's running so hot, man. Like, I, I, I've already been on here, not back in the Banks train. I think he can get a set, although I don't want to pay minus 145 for it. I'll just go small on the money line here. Root for Eubanks. If you like the Medvedev side, I don't hate the under three and a half sets at even money. But I'm rooting for Chrissy. All right, John, to recap, in the Alcaraz-Runa match, I'm taking minus one and a half sets. I feel like Alcaraz could potentially win this in straight sets, to be honest. That's why I'm a little shy off the total. But if he doesn't, he can still get it in four, and he's still cash. I'm willing to pay a little bit more of juice, because I think it actually should be juiced a little more. I actually might double that up with... And I might investigate the exact market. Alcaraz 3-0 is plus 130. 3-1 is plus 225. Might look into those as well. John, you are playing Medvedev minus five versus Chris Eubanks. And I am going to sprinkle one last time on the Banks train, the money line. Let's hope that sun run keeps going. And I don't hate if you are into the Medvedev side under three and a half sets at even money, just in case it's all tie breaks and we see some Eubanks tiebreak progression john any final thoughts no just enjoy enjoy the matches especially the alcaraz uh runa match that, that has the potential to be really fun stuff a lot of shot making and, and athleticism on offer in that one so it should be a lot of fun to watch agreed and also don't degen yourself into not enjoying these matches uh so definitely don't make this a a max bomb affair where you're tilting your face off being on the wrong side because these are matches you want to enjoy. Enjoy your Wimbledon uh, tomorrow. Uh, all right. Follow John at Jared Tweets Tennis. Follow us at MP9 Tennis to subscribe. 
on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be back for the semifinals. Until then, see you in the court.